The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Over 50 years of a Western Pennsylvania tradition culminates in a pitiable expiration as the Pittsburgh Steelers decide to move out of Latrobe to a new location for an as-yet unscheduled training camp. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All Americans Network. It's June 14th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. I do join you from the Houston Outpost, Dad. I, I, I join you on the precipice of football starting to come back. And when football comes back, we're not just going to be winning on the field, we're going to be winning in the bank account. And we're going to be winning with Ben Online. Listen, there's no shortage of action going on with our partners at Bet Online. Action, baby. The sports world is slowly making its way back. Some would say quickly making its way back at this point, with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer all have resumed play, and Bet Online has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. New Zealand, with the lowest, uh, one of the lowest corona rates in the entire world, just had a, a soccer game or a rugby game or something with full stands and full stands. People in the stands. Go bet on them, right? If you need more, Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. If you hadn't noticed this about me, uh, there is no more nostalgic person than me. I still have my report cards going back to Old Claire Barton Elementary School, first grade, each quarter. I probably have every piece of paper you kids pulled a crayon across in some box here in the attic. The 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 leaving of St. Vincent's leaves me cold and depressed. It does. It does. And just for anybody listening out there. straight years, stemming from 1966, the Steelers have been going to St. Vincent's College in Latrobe to hold their annual summer training camp, and that record has just been destroyed. And until now, that is that was tied for the most consecutive years at the same training camp with the Minnesota Vikings, who are at really? another Catholic school. Really? And I think Green Bay had a longer has a longer stretch. Sure. Where do they have those at Lambeau? Because Green Bay has the guys on the bikes. You know, the players ride the bikes to the stadium or whatever. So I don't know if they have an off-campus site. We don't care. Um, we don't recognize the Green Bay Packers. So the Packers Packers. are at, oh, the Packers are the one at a Catholic college. It's uh, St. Norbert, who I'm sure wins the Division III NCAA hockey championship every other year. 
but they've sure. been going to St. Norbert since 1958, and the Vikings go to Minnesota, Minnesota State University. Yeah, well, and, and I jest about the Packers, despite, you know, one game we'd like to forget for the rest of our waking lives. Uh, the, the Packers and the Steelers, I mean, we're talking the classics here. You know, the Cowboys want to weasel the way in there, but they haven't been relevant in 30 years. Let's be honest, the Packers and the Steelmen, that tried tradition, you know, the Catholic school exodus in the summertime. I actually do think that it's a legitimate advantage for the Steelers to, pra- to, to, to hold training camp there, whereas some other teams just hold it in their hometown. The Steelers have to go straight high school mode. Remember the Titans style. Like, you got to be in the dorms, living in these crappy places, unless you're Antonio Brown, where, you know, as we know, he was so persecuted as a member of Steeler, the Steelers organization, he was allowed to be in a mansion off campus, but I digress. I do think the utter focus on football and just the vibe being so exciting at St. Vincent's College with fans, you know, flocking from near and far. Uh, I think that there's an actual competitive advantage in that. I don't know if we'll be able to I, – I don't suspect that it will affect the Steelers' season in a negative way because say what you want about Tomlin. He is good at uh, – maybe he's even best, better at adjusting when the, uh, the odds are stacked against him rather than when the Steelers actually have things going for them. So maybe in this weird year where everyone's forgot about the old Steelmen, where training camp isn't being held in Latrobe, maybe this is actually – an advantage hidden that they're going to be what they're doing at Heinz Field, I think, right? Yeah, and you know why it's an advantage? Because the players are not nostalgic about St. Vincent's. They hate being in the dorms. I'm sure there's a little tomfoolery going on each week, and some of the rookies don't even care where they are. (laughs) But I think the veterans are not happy. I would like to have been there for that first discussion when Tony said he wasn't going to be in the dorms. Was that a story? (laughs) I don't think it was a discussion. No, we, that came out after the fact. He'd been doing it for a few years. I think probably reporters and stuff knew, but people kept it quiet. He was allowed to do a bunch of different stuff. The same way Ben, you know, doesn't have to wear his helmet in practice. And I, uh, you know, you can say you, oh, Tomlin made this monster. I, come on. Like, Brown clearly has a whole other agenda of his own and an ego that also enabled him to become such an just d- disturbingly dominant player. And, I mean, one of the reasons why he was so good is because he had a screw loose and practiced at 4 a.m. in the morning, you know, live streaming it and stuff like that. Um, but I, so I generally do think that it's okay that Tomlin lets stars be stars because a lot of the, t- the time, you know, him and Bell or Ben, they're, like, setting the example for people, so they're still doing their jobs as well. But back to what you were saying about the players hating it, I think that's part of the advantage. Of course they don't want to go live in a dorm when they have – you know, mansions or nicer houses that they could be in, but I think it's an advantage. They might not like it, but it makes them focus more on football rather than some of the other teams that get to travel back and forth or the Cowboys go out to California where it's beautiful. I think that they're, you know, forging the steel, if you will, in the summertime through some, hey, let's just dive right into the deep end. We're going to have to deal with some pains when we're playing football. You might as well just get used to it because it's football season. I think it's an advantage. Well, reading through the history of the Steelers' time in Latrobe, it's really interesting. They started in 1966. You know, uh, Art Rooney talked to Father Connell Feister, who is the uh, the head priest, treasurer at St. Vincent's. They probably needed a couple of coins for the treasury there. They made a deal, and it was a relatively quiet transition. Bill Austin was in his first year. 
interestingly, training camp was at the University of Rhode Island previous to St. Vincent's. And uh, they spent two weeks there with the rookies before coming to Latrobe to have full camp for two weeks at St. Vincent. Guess what one of the most famous places they had training camp at before that? I don't know. If you're looking at the scripts, you see the highlight. The Rock. Slippery Rock. Slippery Rock. Fun fact, uh, we had never heard of the college Slippery Rock at the time of me being in high school. We heard about it. We needed to be a part of it somehow without actually attending the school or applying, uh, applying there. So we got some Slippery Rock sweatshirts hanging in the closet back at home. By the way, you were talking about being a hoarder earlier. You're right. You, you do struggle with, uh, with letting go of, of some of the relics of the past that way. And, and we don't include St. Vincent uh, as a relic. This is a, this is a travesty that's happened this year. It needs to come back next year, right? But just to put some of the listeners at ease, the house, the home base you know, in D.C., it... It looks good. The attic, you know, maybe something's going on up there. But on the surface, you wouldn't be able to tell the inability to let go of some of the documentation of some of the memories, if you will. Well, look, the, the, the disappointment uh, is, is short-lived, obviously. The Steelers are committed to going back to St. Vincent's next year. The disappointment is that this was going to be your and my year at training camp. Can you believe it? As you are listening, this is episode 151. We have not missed a week in three years. Actually, we're probably coming up on our anniversary now, our three-year anniversary. Who would have thought that everything has taken second place to the podcast? That's right. So we had a whole plan to be up there broadcasting live, well, semi-live, recorded, then then pushed out there. We would have done some Instagram live, and they probably would have taken our phones away from us. So we have an extra year to plan for our security uh, measures for that. Did I tell you that I actually went to training camp by default one year? Uh, I don't, I feel like it. What, what's the story there? I was, I think I was going into my junior year of high school and we had a, a basketball camp there. I must've been like 15 no or way. so. Whoa. And I remember it. So it was know. horrific. A, I had, I had a chafing from a jock rash <laughs> that would, would put, would make <laughs> Joe Green cry. It wow. was horrific night after night. Oh. I wasn't, wasn't treating it because it was a stupid 15-year-old who didn't know what to do, just ground through that week. But I clearly remember going to or from one of the practices, and the players were walking down the sidewalk down to the field, and I saw Roy Jarella. He's the one guy I clearly remember seeing, and his legs were like a redwood, two redwoods clumping down the path down to the field with a Marlboro between the lips. Yeah, right? That's awesome. Like, that is the experience that people need to have. If you can get ground level with these football players, you really see that we're not built the same way. And, you know, the best athlete at your high school is not built the same way. There's pe- these guys run faster, hit harder than anyone you've ever seen, and their bodies are just larger. The fact that Ben Roethlisberger is a quarterback is absurd. Dak Prescott is more bolder than man, and he can outrun, you know, anybody you've ever met. Right and the kickers, I mean it's every day's leg day, baby. They're di- they're the anti beach muscles, aren't they? Although I guess they don't really have to do anything else. So, in my experience, the kickers spend a lot of time on the arms. All you need to do is watch um, the combine and see how fast three hundred and twenty pound linemen are running. But until you see it uh, uh, in real life, on the not in the stands, you have to be next to them to really appreciate it because. 
relative to the people they're standing next to, you're used to it. Like, oh, yeah, 4-3. Oh, a lineman ran a 4-9. That's insane. You need to see it. And it, it's startling. And you well, got to see know, what it is also starting? Way. Just from an opposing view, the, the couple of times we got to go in the field pregame, it's startling to see how small some guys are. And yeah. they're playing this game on. Like Brown. And of course, everybody's an Adonis, but. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most guys are shorter than me. Right. Height-wise, it, it, it's different. Height-wise, but if you yeah. look at their legs and their butts, it's insane. It's just tree trunk city. As opposed to if you ever get close in a basketball game, I remember always, if I get close seats to a basketball game, it's shocking how skinny their legs are. I'm almost nervous. Like, you're, you're going to break your legs jumping so high like that. But they're so tall. And you forget. They're like newborn fawns. Exactly. It's wild. And with football, it's the, it's the, it's the legs and ass. That's a Chris Simsism right there. But you see, and that's where your power comes from. That's where speed comes from. That's where explosion especially comes from. And you're right. You could see someone. I mean, we never had the opportunity to see Antonio Brown in person. Maybe, uh, you know, Bobby Shaw was on the field at that time. And, uh, but you'll see, like, that small guy. Now, if he took his pads off, he'd be ripped beyond belief. But it is crazy. You do see some of the guys that are known as the short guys in the NFL you almost get scared when you see them in real life, and then you have an awe-inspiring level of respect because you've seen them like, this small guy is really, th- like, he's just that untouchable, isn't he? That's, in- that's insane. But it is such a bummer about St. Vincent, especially since we were going to go there. Um, but it gives us more time to plan for next year, and at least we're already talking about training camp. Yeah, so the Steelers had a couple of options. One was to go to the Rooney Complex. It seems... Uh you know, had some had a lot more indoor space, but they uh, deemed it not large enough to satisfy the social distancing measures, or at least ones that we want you to think we're following. Right. So they're going to have practice at Heinz Field. So they have four locker rooms there. The biggest is 6,000 feet. Pitt uses the next largest one. It's 4,600 feet. And they have two visiting locker rooms, uh, two visitor locker rooms that are 2,600 square feet. So they figure it's more than enough room so that everybody could dress and uh, dissemble after practice with enough space in between each other. Like that's going to make a difference. So this might be a stupid question here, but obviously the away, the visiting locker rooms in every stadium are smaller and less decked out than the home team. You know, the home team stays there all the time, but... Clearly, you would have had the money to, to, to build out an away locker room that's just as good, right? Um, so that's literally just a competitive – that's just – that's hilarious. It seems like the goal of the NFL is always to keep things even. But when it comes to building stadiums, like, Here. yeah, you can dress in the janitor's closet. Well, presumably you need a lot more stuff when – you have more stuff when you're at home, I guess. I don't know. I remember um, – I, I don't think anybody doesn't take advantage of the home field – it, uh, the home field advantage, sorry, double double advantage there. Yeah, remember, but how hilarious is that? So I remember, um, who was the coach, the basketball coach at Marquette? Dang, you're too young. But I remember yeah. the story on him was prior to a game up against the fast team, he would soak the nets prior to the game the night before and then put the, and reinstall them just to slow down the other team. I think you guys soak the nets? Is, Wait. Soak the you, nets to make them oh, a little oh, stiffer. Oh, so the ball slow just. Down, so the ball's not coming through. That's hilarious. And I, yeah, I believe they stiff. I, I think they probably put moldy carpeting in the visitors' locker rooms, and 
such things. There so are actually some advantage. famous stories about that. And I know that even in just high school, I played in a couple that were laughable. But the Oakland Raiders, now they're the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's no longer going to be an issue. But everybody knows the story about Ben uh, two years ago when it took him an hour to get to the training facility because they don't have the, the proper equipment there. And, and Oakland was kind of widely known as not only the worst NFL just campus in general, but to the point where it was a joke, was aggressively bad. And, hey, that matches in line with the Raiders' bad boy history. Now, granted, they haven't been bad boys for 50 years, so i got to see it to believe it. But they're still, you know, bad boys when it comes to facilities, I guess. So my question is, are the locker rooms bugged? Like a U.S. embassy in, in Moscow. There's bugs in them, that's for sure. Uh, New England, surely they're bugged. But uh, wait, was it John Harbaugh or Tomlin who was trying to get New England investigated for that? I think it was Harbaugh. You can, you can never be too careful. The NFL is purportedly mandating social distancing requirements. Yes. <laughs> I can see. So there is going to be no hitting. There will yeah. be no spitting. There will be no fighting. It's all shotgun. No hands under any butts. That is no longer happening yet. I guess, again, bringing up John Harbaugh again, curse him and his name, he, I think he put out a quote recently this week saying that it is humanly impossible to social distance as a football team. And he's 100% right. I mean, oh, you're going to put the locker room, the locker's all six feet apart, but they've just been hugging and tackling each other for three hours on the practice field spitting, spits flying everywhere, sweat flying into each other's mouths. Gross! Blood. Tears sometimes. Depend. Not, not on the Steelers, Vomit. but tears of the Steelers' opponents. Vomit. Surely. Remember when Lawrence Timmons threw up, I think it was against the Dolphins, like on the goal line, and he threw up in the game? That was cool. But pretty sure we lost that game, so that wasn't cool. What do you think about the social distancing? Well, there's a question about whether they're going to let fans in. Um, there's no way to there's no way to do this practically. There's I mean, no you can't even go to a grocery no. store and have people go down the wrong wrong aisle. I guess it's just yeah. best effort. Accept what comes your way. These guys are going to get their temperature taken every day. They'll probably get tested, you know, baseline, and then they'll be tested every day as well. You don't hear any players complaining about it either, right? Because you could make the argument that this is yet another item on the long list of the NFL not really caring about the safety of its players. And I I definitely think you can make that argument. But at the same time, to be a football player, you have to be a particular type of psychopath when it comes to regards to your own physical health. (laughs) And then secondarily, you really have a tiny window to make this type of money. So you really can't give up any of those years. What is the risk to a player of coronavirus versus CTE? If the NFLPA does not insist on daily testing, then th- this is the most corrupt enterprise ever. Oh, they're but doing if it. If I went into camp, I'm sure everybody's been tested. If anybody has any signs of it, I would imagine they'd get pulled out. And they'd have to get tested every day because you never know when they catch it. And this is the NFL. It's not as if money's an issue. So I would, as, I would assume constant testing. They're going to be tested. And, uh, I've already said that. They'll call mm-hmm. some guys out, and guys are willing to take that risk, right? They're in an age group that isn't particularly susceptible to you know, a significant, depending on the studies you read. And sure. I read 
I don't actually read the studies, so I have to admit. But, you know, the, the damage can be done, yeah. but many people just there recover with no symptoms. Ones. There's no conclusive study. It's a brand new disease. So anybody saying no, it's let's just make it up. No. We, but we do have, we're starting to generate a sample size now, right? So if you look at Alabama, they had to close. They got five guys get it in the first week. And University of Houston a couple of days ago, six guys. So they had to cancel their training camp. So, like, it's just it's going to happen. Uh, you just, you know... You hope you hope nobody die. You hope nobody dies, because there's thousands of players in the NFL. Like there's there's definitely a chance that somebody could die. And number one, that would just be beyond depressing. And number two, it would shut down the league for sure. But I, I just it is interesting to see that there is no pushback from the players. Obviously, there's no pushback from the fans. Everybody wants to see them play, which is sort of messed up depending on how you looked at it, how you're looking at it. But you know, you yeah. Your example where you get tested, if they were at St. Vincent and they weren't going anywhere and everyone comes in, gets tested, if you're positive for corona, they send you home. If you're okay, then you stay in this bubble and nobody has corona, then you'd actually be okay. But Well, look, you're, you're better off being at home when everybody can go to a separate house. It's not as if they're not exposed, but it is less of a risk than two guys in a dorm room and then having everybody in the same dining hall. So there's the, of course, you're bringing it home to your family, which probably is not a, probably your family's going to see other people. I mean, it's physically impossible to do this thing. And there, there probably will be another lockdown in the future, most likely. I mean, Houston's already talking about it just with the spikes after Memorial Day and everything. Just the so it was interesting. I posed my question about whether what happens if advertising revenue goes down and the total pot of money available to play payers contracts isn't doesn't total more than what the contracts add up to be. Well, that's an interesting so, question. It's so that's interesting what I question. asked last week, and I did a little investigation, but go ahead. I, it's hard to tell what the result would be in that case, but I'd be willing to bet on it, honestly, because I'm a betting man. I'd probably use bet online. Actually, I'd definitely use betonline.ag to bet on the result of that litigation, right? There's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. Sports World's making its way back. We told you, NBA, we're talking about NFL coming back. UFC, boxing, NASCAR, it's all going down. They got prop bets. Maybe we can bet on this legal case, right? And if you need any more, they got simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Would my question be a prop bet? Yes, I think so. So it would be interesting. We could even make we could even make the sport of baseball more interesting and exciting by employing That's your bet online account. That is a stretch, but that's the only uh, available option I see, right? Yeah, if, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be bet online. Your online wagering expert. Why don't you rephrase the question again, too, because I think, I think this goes over a lot of people's heads, and I think they gloss over when they hear the word revenue. I'm not saying our listeners, and I'm, I'm definitely not saying me, of course. I'm just asking. I, of course, know exactly what you're talking about, so you rephrasing the question wouldn't help me in any way either. But you're saying in... relation to corona and potential game closures and and just revenue dropping as a result of the pandemic, right? Correct. So not only do you have gate revenue, you know, from tickets, parking, concessions, you also have ad revenue. 
they sign multi-year contracts with, with the networks. And they, that's the big one. I believe it's at 10 billion or something like that. Yeah. And they have been renegotiating that. It could, remember what you're saying, they were trying to renegotiate before the contract, a year before the contract expired, I think out of fear that ad revenue may decline because of, you know, economic reasons. So if the pool of money you have is not sufficient to pay the paychecks, the players get about half that money, what, 48, 48 and a half percent in the new contract. So what? If the money is not sufficient to pay all the contracts, what happens to the players' money? Do they get their full contract and it comes out of the NFL's pocket or the owner's pocket? So I, I posed that question online of Ed Bouchette. And, of course, he, he answered a question I didn't ask, and I'm still investigating the answer to this. Interestingly, we have a model in front of us with uh, Major League Baseball. They've come to a crashing halt in their negotiations about how long the season would be and how much the players would get paid. Contractually, it looks like the players should be paid uh, proportional to the number of games they play. Yeah. But but the owners are saying, but there won't be enough, there won't be people people in the stands to bring in revenue, so we shouldn't be on the hook for everything we said we're going to pay you. And now they've stopped, as of today, what I've read, they've stopped negotiating. And now they surmise that there'll be like some super quick season at the end of end of the season, just a short number of games to go into the playoffs. Well, based on our experience with the NFL, I'm sure the NFL owners will do the right thing and keep the players' rights in mind. It's hard to see anything else happening. Mike Chop. Yeah. So there is a little we'll bit see. of news this week. Good news. Mike Hilton and Matt Filer both signed their second-round tenders. So we can be assured of their presence for a year, although they are obviously going to, well, obviously, they are still trying to sign full contracts before the start of the season. Yep, so that's just, that's honestly clerical. They announced, you know, getting offered those tenders a while ago. That was a foregone conclusion, but that is interesting. Those are two guys who could be a massive part of the team for really the next era of Steelers football, which is going to be half in the closing of the Ben era and then half in who knows what happens next. But getting, you know, Long-term starters like that locked up, albeit, what, only on one-year deals each, right? That sucks. We'd like to see them get the long-term, but they're going to have to wait a little bit to get that done. But it is good to see them stay in the fold. Uh, Of course, we talked about them when they were offered their tenders a few months back, so we know how much that they mean to the team that way. But, yeah, especially at two positions where they've, you know, there's some turnover there. Interestingly, they both signed for almost the exact same amount of money. It's... uh... Like $3.7 million. Right. Well, you're playing tackle, uh, like a swing tackle, swing guard tackle, and a cornerback, slot corner. So not an outside one-on-one guy, but those are two of the most important, uh, highly valued positions of football. So they're got to feel good for them. Those are two undrafted guys. I don't think Filer was drafted. Now they're making $3 million a year. Well, one and a half after the agents and the taxes, but pretty sweet. Undrafted free agent? Yeah. Uh, let me correct. Let me not be the purveyor of incorrect information. Mike Hilton, 3.26. Uh, Matt Filer, 3.27. Million dollars. Question. Do you remember where Mike Hilton went to college and who he played with in college as another corner on his team? Mike Hilton. No, don't look it up. Okay. No, I wouldn't. I would never have remembered. He was the second fiddle at Ole Miss to Sanquez Golson, Steelers' second-round pick, who 
really didn't even play a training camp snap, basically. And Hilton wow. here with his $3 million extension and poor got to feel bad for Golson, man. He didn't have a chance. I don't even know if you – I don't categorize him as a bust. He just got screwed with the energy, uh, the injuries. We'll never know how good or bad he was. But uh, look at that. Hilton, little engine that could. Steelers look always at good at finding those guys. Look at that memory, like a bad ex-girlfriend. Remembered everything you did. That's right. So that's interesting, looking forward with the Steelers. I know you had a couple other things going on here, but I wanted to call a little audible and – Talk about a subject that everybody uh, that has been talked about to death, but I think takes on some new meaning now, just given the social changes that have happened. But the Colin Kaepernick discussion, right? Now with um, Black Lives Matter and the necessary uh, social changes that are hopefully you know moving forward in a positive way, one thing that the NFL has done that is – uh, admirable, honestly, is admitting that they were wrong and, and not listening to players and trying to silence players in these issues where, um, you know, the issue that Colin Kaepernick was very specifically uh, protesting was one single issue. It is not a sweeping issue. It was just police brutality on black people. It wasn't even on minorities. It's a easy statistic to track. Long story short, yada, yada. NFL has tried to keep players... Uh, out of political stances because, you know, that usually hurts the bottom line of business. But now, it's not even really politics, but it's intersected with the NFL. Most of the players are black. This is a big deal. Everybody's talking about it. And one of the things people are talking about is, like, the NFL needs to find a way to get Colin Kaepernick at least an attempt to play in the NFL. Now, from where you and I are standing, the guy hasn't played in three years. So, and he didn't play in three years because he got blackballed blatantly by the league. So that was screwed up. That guy was easily one of the best, you know, 35 quarterbacks in the world, even at the time when he wasn't playing well at the end of his career, which, by the way, if any of you can write in and name a single one of his teammates on the 49ers after the decimation of the John Harbaugh team, Jim Harbaugh teams, let me know because he was playing with trash. But I digress. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Even taking Colin Kaepernick on your team at this point, he's a guy who hasn't played football quarterback a very difficult position to put it lightly in three years the chances of him being able to come back and beat out a guy who has been playing is very slim I don't think there's a chance in hell that the Steelers would sign him but I have come to the conclusion that they need to bring him in for a tryout and I know that they won't just because in my opinion what they're doing with the backup quarterback situation could be the death of this team. It could be costing the Steelers a Super Bowl. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating because we don't know if Ben can make it through a whole season. It's not like we're saying you need a quarterback who can take over for Ben. You need a guy who can guide the team for four or five games if Ben misses some games in the middle of the season, right? This is what you do when you have a Super Bowl window. This is why the New Orleans Saints had Teddy Bridgewater as their backup last year. Went 5-0. and they lost Teddy Bridgewater to become a starter with the Panthers. What did they do? They bring in Jameis Winston, another starting caliber quarterback. If you're the New England Patriots or the 49ers, your offensive scheme is so great that you don't even need to bring in another guy, but they were even prepared. They had Jared Stidham, right? I think the Steelers rolling with Mason and Duck is like it's negligence to me. And I do think that there's someone like Colin Kaepernick I would be willing to take the bet that that guy with his physical talent 
He's going to step on the field. He is so overwhelmingly more talented than guys like Duck and Mason. I wouldn't rule it out him being a better option. And I, you know, again, we made the point with with um, Cam Newton and with Jameis Winston. It just might be too much of a media circus uh, for the Steelers to deal with, especially with all the problems that they've dealt with recently. And so maybe this isn't a good idea from the, from the same um, angle. But just thinking about that and thinking like, oh, who would even want to get Colin Kaepernick at this point? And my, the first person I thought of was like, the Steelers should do it because I think this situation with the backup quarterback could come out and bite the Steelers in the butt because the AFC is tough and you need to win every game you can get. And they're rolling in with some very dangerous dice here. Well, given that the Rooney rule, hear what I just said, the Rooney rule originated with Art Rooney, you would think that the Steelers would be the last team in the NFL to blackball a guy. Right. Um, did the entire league agree that they can't bring him in? Did they all conclude the same thing? Like, we don't, we don't want the media circus? Or did right. they say to themselves, we can't win? I mean, if we bring this guy in for a tryout, it's going to be right, there's right, somebody's right. going to claim this is just a Potemkin village set up to show that, you know, we gave him a shot. He just wasn't our guy. Right, right, right. True. Um, the, I think it's everything because there is uh, – I wish I could give you the quotes right now. I might have to find them for next, um, for next week. But the NFL did encourage – teams not to mess with it and there are certain teams that just didn't want to mess with it and I think the Steelers were they were at the time of Kaepernick getting blackballed they they legitimately didn't need him you had Landry at the time who was like a serviceable backup and of course like can Mason Rudolph turn into Landry's level of serviceable like probably yeah um but the Steelers just didn't care about that kind of thing at that time and Ben was younger and he and as opposed to uh public perception which thinks he gets injured all the time Last time, last season was the only time he's ever missed more than four games in a year. He had a bunch of years where he would miss four, but mainly in the second half of his career, post-Mike Munchak, he's been healthy most of the time. So it just, it wasn't even a need for the Steelers, and they had Bell and Brown and all this other stuff going on, so it just didn't make any sense at all. And, and, do, and I don't necessarily think that signing Colin Kaepernick is a great idea for the Steelers just because they went through more media circus than any other team for a couple of years with the Killer B situation, and it just seems good to kind of get out of that. But I am disappointed that, like, they just haven't even attempted to improve the backup situation. I, I think that it's borderline arrogance that they think, like, nope, Mason's going to be fine. I, I'm talking about a Super Bowl team. Like, the AFC North is brutal. The, the schedule, like, look, it looks favorable. It's going to be hard as hell. And we see how much that number one seed means. You need to make sure, especially at a position where you can, I don't know, it's just frustrating to me. It's obviously not the number one priority on your team, but I think now backup quarterback for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's in the Super Bowl window with an aging quarterback who just came off a, mat, a, a, a huge season-ending injury, you're just playing with fire. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we've seen the evidence. It's not that um, there wasn't enough talent around them. They have a great offensive line. Um, maybe uh, running back sort of set us back a little bit. But let's face it, we, we saw what we're going to get. And as you pointed out, the upside on Mason and Duck is not high. No. I, I'm still mystified by it. I thought the Jameis Winston story was just urban legend, rumors being spread around. But it turns out he was available. 
yeah. would have signed for a million. But uh, would he have only signed right, with right. Houston for a million bucks? Right, right, right. But three million. I know. For, I know. For a chance to be behind, because that's what we ben said. Ben Roethlisberger, who is one or two years away from retirement, and they have the identical playing style, except for <laughs> Jameis likes to throw a lot more interceptions, but big extremely strong-armed quarterbacks who like to throw the ball deep, move well in the pocket, and uh, they're not runners, but they can script. It's, it's such a perfect fit, the Jameis Winston thing. And Jameis, he's such, like, he's so weird because his highs are legitimately NFL MVP highs, and his lows are legitimately worst starting quarterback lows. I mean, he, you know, set interception records already. And the, le- and the way that he throws interceptions, by the way, and it's not just the interceptions, it's the fumbles. He's like the lead leaguer, like league leader in fumbles as well. But when he throws interceptions and when he fumbles, it's like B-roll comedy. It's so goofy the way that he turns the ball over. He'll cock his arm back to throw and the ball will fly out the back. It's a comedy. So I feel like, as opposed to Cam Newton, who's just a straight beast, that would be tough, but Jameis would have some – that same thing I said about Andy Dalton behind Ben. Like, it's just not that threatening to be able to keep that guy off the field. Um, and I just – yeah, I, I hate that they're doing this. I do think that Mason and Duck will be better. And, hey, I, I do think that their ceiling is – could be a little bit higher than Landry Jones for sure. Um, it's just hard for me to explain to people. If you're watching and you, and you can't tell the difference in arm strength – which I'm noticing is something that's very frequent for people. It's hard to tell how hard a guy throws on television, and people think it's about throwing far. It's not really as much about that. Plus, by the way, Duck and Mason cannot throw far. Mason throws high 40-yard arches, but he's not launching 70-yard bombs. So you go back and watch and count the yardage. It's very easy to figure that out. But it's more just about zip on the ball and things like that. And somebody like a Colin Kaepernick or Jameis Winston just has a physical talent level that's so beyond what those guys have. And just think about it. If you put Duck or Mason in, it's not like the Charlie Batch or Byron Leftwich days when you had a dominant defense. I mean, you do now. I guess, hey, maybe it is like that. But also the rules were different. Like, it's so hard to survive like that in the NFL now. They lost to the Jets. The whole end of the season was just a perfect encapsulation of, of how, like, you can't really do that anymore for an extended period of time. And, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just fr- It just seems like an oversight because it's like, would you like to get another starting quality offensive lineman? Like, yeah, that'd be great. Do you have $15 million? No. But do you have a million or three million? Like you're saying, that just seems like a, a, an issue that could have been addressed. Yeah, I'd love to have been in the room. We made that decision. I think you're overlooking the fact we have JT Barrett. And oh, I yeah. looked up his his um, Ohio State stats? his NFL career. He came to the – he was signed by the New Orleans Saints in May of 2018. And when I tell you he literally was cut, waved, and added – at least 20 times, to the, like every other day through training camp until he was finally removed in October of 2019. What a what an insane way to live day to day. And what are they getting, like 8,000 bucks a week? And then he gets cut for two days and I'll he has to, it. but stick around. We're going to bring you back. It's crazy. Hey, that's a really good point. Look at that. That guy was, did he win a national championship or go to one or get close to one at least? I mean, he was a star at Ohio State. This is a good example for people to see that, like, 
what a team can do for a quarterback. This guy literally can't find a job in the NFL, and he was like a Heisman buzz guy in college. Yeah, so I don't think you're going to get any, well, you won't get any argument from me about whether or not the Steelers are paying attention to quarterback, and maybe it has something to do with Ben. I've sort of figured by this time we're over any ego issues, but who knows? I do agree with you that this does look like negligence, and what we haven't mentioned in a while, but we have mentioned it, maybe this is Ben saying, look, Sure. I don't need anybody breathing down my neck. Yeah. I want these two clowns behind me on the bench holding my <laughs> clipboard. And if you need somebody, you're going to bring in Boswell to fill my spot. That's right. Switzer, my best friend. Switz. Yeah, I don't want to. Can't see over the line. It is funny because, listen, there's not, it's not, there's not a, a well of information to talk about right now in the season until we actually start you know, doing some more stuff. There's plenty to talk about before the draft and after the draft. But now we need training camp to start. So I do feel like I harp on this topic a lot and I don't want to make, you know, make people think that I'm biased against Rudolph or, or Duck or anything like that. I'm just telling you, we're just calling it like we see it. For the same people who get mad at Ryan Switzer for not being fast enough to get away from people. Like, that's easier to tell, right? It's easier to see a guy run. And then in relation to him, you get to see another guy catch him and him not get many yards all the time, right? It's harder to tell how fast the ball is traveling on the screen. I get that. But that's just my big thing. And, and he's a more natural, aggressive passer than a, Mace, than a uh, Landry Jones was. So maybe there is a, a bit of an upside there. It's not even really about him and Duck. It's about the team and, and just addressing needs and finding the right way to put your money. And it's just a gamble because we don't know what – What's going to happen with Ben? I mean, even look at the year before. He had an issue against Oakland that he went out with that didn't turn out to be a, a, an issue. So it's just playing with fire, and I, I, I love what the Saints have done with their quarterback room in that situation with another quarterback who, you know, is an older guy. And uh, aside from that, because, by the way, Dad, because it's also like they don't have an option with the lack of money that they have. They don't have an option to go upgrade other positions. I'm just looking at one place where it's like, oh, they could have upgraded that, and they didn't even make an attempt. No competition or anything. That, that, I think that's where I'm coming from with that issue. That's something that seemed fixable, and frankly, like, maybe still fixable. That's because they're going Ben or bust, and we need to shore up that defense. Hey, so next week, Nick and I will be together semi-social distancing at the beach, and we'll be coming, uh, we'll be doing a show from the, hopefully, the balmy confines of the ocean next week. So I thought next week maybe we could just talk about, we could talk about Steeler quarterbacks through the ages. If you have any ideas, uh, visit our website, www.steelersoutpost.com. We'd like to hear who you think are in the top five, let's say. Uh, check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. We have uh, probably a follow-up to last year's exciting waterborne video. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events... 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 